Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. Hello, welcome to Accentuate the Positive with Karen Swain here on Soul Traveller Radio. I've got another fascinating guest for you today who has some stories to share with you on awakening consciousness with open hearts and inspired minds. I'd love to introduce you to Peter McIntosh. Peter and Lynn McIntosh are living in Bali at the moment and they've just built two of the most amazing pyramids. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks, Karen. It's a pleasure to be with you and really good to uh, share with you our story and what we're doing. Yeah, you know, I had a lovely man come and stay with me a few weekends ago and he had visited you in Bali. He had some amazing stories to share. His name was Kevin Westridge and he said he was hanging out in Bali and I think you bumped into him in a cafe, is that right? Yeah, as often happens, uh, Bali is very much a social place and particularly Ubud. Uh, most of the expats up here uh, get to meet each other one way or the other. We're very fortunate the Pyramids of Chia have become a real draw card to many people. They come out here, uh, they've heard us mention what we're doing or somebody else in town has told them and they come out here for a bit of a, a look and see where we're at and uh, uh, I think the interest level is very, very high in town at the moment and they see us building the pyramids and uh, we just have um, fabulous conversations with them all explaining why we're doing this. Many of them are blown away like Kevin and uh, they they almost think it begins with once upon a time because it sounds yeah. so sort of incredible. It is an incredible story and I, I just really wanted to share your story because it it's a story about you know, possibility. And um, I think Kevin simplified the story a bit much. He told me that, you know, you had the download, but I'll get the story from you. But this was his version. He said that you had the download, you put a one line out in the paper and four people came forward and funded it. And it just seemed to be this magical story that really stuck with me because Kevin told me many stories, but this one really stuck with me. And I think that sound and music is really where we're going with the upliftment of our world, with the shift, you know, like the energy and the vibration of sound and music is such a powerful, such a potent tool. So these 
pyramids of chi, they're like sound temples. Let's start from the beginning. What were you doing when you decided that you wanted to build a couple of pyramids in Bali? <laughs> well, Bali is one of these places that draws people for different reasons. We meet people here all the time. Uh, one of the classic statements is, oh, how lucky you are to be living in Bali. And our response yeah. to that is, hey, you can do the same. You know, it doesn't take a great deal of effort. It just takes a little bit of willpower to come up here and move up here. And we're quite spiritual people. We've been um, led here by the universe spirit. We ended up here through different circumstances which were totally out of our control. It was largely uh, an issue with uh, Lynn, my wife's uh, health at the time. And so we got sent up here. Um, I was doing a meditation one day and literally got told by universe, um, build two pyramids. And my response to that was, hang on, hang on, I'm retired, you know, why do we need to build pyramids? And I said the same to Lynn, you know, I've been told we're going to build two pyramids. Her response was almost identical to mine, but, but we're retired. Anyway, we now have two pyramids. And the interesting thing is that we are in a position where we're thoroughly enjoying what we're doing because we're following a passion that came to us um, a number of years ago uh, with sound and sound healing. But a place we started off in Perth and um, we didn't, didn't go into it in a big way. We did it more because we loved helping people with sound healing. Um, okay, let me just back up a little bit because, you know, the story of how the pyramids came about is what yeah, what I want to explore. And sure. so you, you're in a meditation, you get a download to build two yeah. pyramids. So here's the thing. You said to me on the phone yesterday that you've been really only in the conscious arena or awake for about 11 years and before that you're in the corporate world. So listening to your guidance in a meditation was something that you've only come to know in the last 10 years or something. It's not something you did before, I'm pretty sure. That's correct. That's very (laughs) correct. we all get a lot of, you know, thoughts in our heads and we're not always listening to them, especially when it's a crazy thought like, hey, build two pyramids in Bali. So <laughs> why, why did you listen to that? I mean, especially when you said, oh, no, I'm retired, I'm not building anything. <laughs> That's a really good question you've asked there, Karen. Very good question. And it's something that we have asked ourselves a number of times, <laughs> like, what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> but when we got started on this, we thought, Okay, we'll check it out. We'll do our research and we looked around. We eventually found some land. We thought, well, we can do it. We found some land. The land had beautiful energy. Everything else we looked at didn't feel good. This just clicked within. You know, we we don't use the stuff that keeps our ears apart or in this case our headphones apart. We, we listen to our heart, you know. We thought, okay, so that's something. And, and then we did our our arithmetic and realised, oh, my God, this is going to cost so much money. We thought we haven't got that much money to spare. So once again, I went back and did another meditation and I said to to God, okay, this is your great idea. How are we going to finance this? And (laughs) And the message just came through, not that hard to figure out, get some investors. And I'm thinking, mm, get investors to build a pyramid in Bali? Is this real? So, as I said yesterday, I went back to Perth and talking to a friend of mine down there and asked him, you know, how do I go about raising a million dollars to build a pyramid? And 
he started laughing and he was laughing for a long time. He was a financial advisor who said, Peter, it's just not going to happen, mate. You know, it's just yeah. they won't do it. So we said, okay, we'll do it our way. We, we, we stuck an ad on Gumtree, of all things, you know, a free website, put a small classified ad in the local West Australian newspapers. Cut a long story short, within a month we'd raised $750,000, right, That's from amazing. investors. And we were just blown away. What did the ad say? Oh, it was very simple. It was something like in the West Australian, I had a picture of the pyramids in Egypt. Um, Would you like to invest in in a great business opportunity in Bali? Call me. You know, and that was it. And the interesting story with that one was that Joe, the the gentleman that uh, he and his wife Vicky that did invest, Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't buy newspapers. He has never bought a newspaper in his life. And he went up to the shop with his son one uh, one Saturday morning and he walked past, uh, he went to get something for, for his son's school project and he happened to pick up a newspaper and even his son said, Dad, you don't buy newspapers. He said, yeah, I know, but maybe we can wrap something in it. So he took it home, threw it on the coffee lounge and about Two hours later, he happened to walk past the newspaper. Get this one, walk past the newspaper, and you know the rest of the story. Sea Breeze had come in, blown open the paper, and there was the ad. <laughs> so he, he rings me up and comes and sees me, and I said to him when I got to meet him, I said, okay, I told him a bit about what we're doing. And he says, I asked him what he was doing, and he said, well, I'm, I'm actually an out-of-work builder at the moment. Only a young guy in his early 30s, out-of-work builder at the moment. I said, well, you do understand we're looking to raise, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, you know, against this project. He said, yeah, I know. It won't be a problem. So I, <laughs> I sort of looked at Lynn and sat back and thought, okay, carry on telling him what we're about. Uh, within 45 minutes, Joe virtually said to me, I'm in. And I said, really? Don't you think you should talk to your wife, Vicky, about this one first? And, you know, we've got a complete business plan, which I'd spent three weeks putting together. Uh, he said, I think we're in, but look, yeah, you're right, I'll talk to my wife. So um, a couple of days later, they're back together in our house, chatting to us. And once again, even before an hour is out, Vicky's saying, yeah, we're definitely in, Peter. We, we like what you're doing. We share your passion. We trust you. And I said, well, what about the business plan? She said, oh, I glanced it. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll give it to our accountant. But look, put us down. We're there. And that, that just led us to realise that and, and the other investors all have come in on a similar sort of uh, way and it just made us realise that, you know, if you get these instructions, listen to them. Don't, don't listen to your conditioning because my conditioning, having been in corporate all my life, was the first reaction was, oh, really? <laughs> you want me to raise this much money by putting ads on? No. Okay. But then, of course, we, we listened. We had faith. We put our, our faith in the spirit and we now have raised over, over a million dollars and we have a wonderful group of uh, very patient investors who just come online constantly and look at our updates and are so, so excited. Many of them have come and visited us up here in Ubud. They just love it. They just love what we're doing. In fact, one of them has just sent us another person who's very interested in investing as well. So we're only going to sell maybe another two or three shares. But we are just so aware that this is a must-do project 
because the synchronicity that happens in Bali, it's, it's got to be it's got to be divine guidance. You know, it's 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 not through anything I've discovered from a marketing background or a business background or anything like that. They just come in, and next thing you know, someone says, "Well, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. How could I get involved?" Because yeah. they they see our vision. You know, they see what we're trying to do for people. Yeah, it's so fascinating because you've had that business and marketing background and here you are in your third act, as Jane Fonda would say, and, uh, (laughs) you know, the third act of life. I think it's the final act. (laughs) Third and final act. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and where most people are retiring to have the good life, you know, sit back, kick your feet up, I've worked all my life, I'm not going to... And here you are building these sound temples, I suppose they're sound temples, and, yeah, on total trust and faith. It's it's amazing. So really I wanted to share that for anyone who has an idea that's out there, thinks, you know, I'd love to do that, but I haven't got the money. Yeah, if it's meant to be, it's going to be, isn't it? Well, one of my uh, my favourite beliefs, and Lynn shares this with me, if it feels right, do it. Just, you know, don't let others try and dissuade you. There are many people out there that are jealous of you maybe taking a step forward and breaking out of the square. There are those that believe it just can't be done. Look, there's many, many detractors. But if you believe in your heart that this is what you want to do, whether it's, sorry, that's the cat, something to say hello, whether it's <laughs> someone, you know, Sonny, yes, you can say hello to Karen, all right? That's it. Hello. Now, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got two cats that just adopted us and we've got four dogs and, yeah, it's, a, it's one of these things that happens in Bali, you know. You, you attract certain energies up here and I guess that's one of the things that we love that when you're living in a place like Ubud, I should just probably reaffirm Ubud is so different to what many people know of as Bali. We're not talking about the beach areas, which are very commercial. Ubud Mm -hmm. is a very laid back, quite spiritual in many ways, not just with people like ourselves, but the the Balinese themselves, their culture is such a lovely culture. They're very spiritual. It's a big holiday up here yesterday and today that they celebrate twice a year. To us, it's the same as Christmas. To them, you know, it's their special days. So our belief is that if if you want to do something bad enough, just get out and do it. Don't listen to all these others that try and say, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, because of course you can. Most of those people are too busy looking behind them instead of looking ahead, you know. So if that's a message for your viewers, I'd love to share it with them. It can be done when we look at what we're doing. The statement we get from probably 90% of people that walk through the doors that have already heard about it is, oh, my God, I never realised it was this big. Oh, my God, I never realised it was this beautiful, you know? Yeah. So they're massive. You've actually just completed the two of them and they're massive. I've got so many questions. You know, there's a couple of questions. I'm just going to rattle them off so I don't forget. I want to know why Bali and not somewhere else. I want to know how that's connected to the rest of the world. And I want to know, because I know that I've had friends that have tried to buy in Bali and you don't actually own anything in Bali, you just lease it. So it's uh, it's not the same as Australia. So when you build them, do you actually, you you own them, do you? Because 
Well, we do. We still own them because the interesting thing that happens in Bali is that the government was very smart when, you know, they got their independence back in 46. They said nobody can own land here except Indonesians. Indonesians, right? exactly, yeah. And I wish the same was in Australia, to be honest. But anyway, that's the, that's the, that's what they've said. So what we can do, however, is we can lease the land from them for 25 years. In our case, we have a 25 years plus a 20-year option. That gives us 45 years. That's a long, long time, you know. But the beautiful thing about that is, okay, it still costs money, but not as much as if we wanted to buy it freehold because mm-hmm. if a Balinese wanted to buy this or an Indonesian wanted to buy it, it costs four or five times what we've paid. But the beautiful thing is we had our landlord walk through here the other day. Now, we never see him apart from a wave on the on our motor scooters or whatever, but he came through and he, was, he had his young grandson and, he brought, and he's pointing out everything here, pointing out the cafe, the pyramids, the lake, the grounds, all this sort of stuff, and he's chattering away and he doesn't speak much English. But I went up to him and I said, uh, you know, Selamat pagi, Wayan, which is good morning, Wayan. Is this your chuchi? And he said, yeah, my chuchi, which is grandson, you know. And he said, I just show, in his own way, and I can understand a little bit of Bahasa Indonesia, he's saying, I tell my grandson one day this is all his which is beautiful, you know, it makes us feel even better because we haven't taken the land off them. We're just borrowing it. And I've got to tell you, in 45 years, I won't be around to worry about it, you know. And, and my kids are all doing pretty well. They don't need any great legacy from me. So that's kind of how it works in that regard. So, it, look, it's a beautiful way. Uh, the Balinese are just such magical people. You hear interesting stories about, oh, yeah, but they look at you as though you're a walking ATM. Well, I'm sorry, if you give off those vibes, you're going to get the vibes back. We're great believers in the law of attraction. What you put out comes back. And we had, we had some uh, friends here a couple of days ago and we were driving through the village and everybody's waving to us, you know, Salmatian, back Peter, back, you know, Ibulin, and they're saying, who are those? And I said, they're villagers, I'm sorry, I don't know their name. The interesting thing is they all have one of four names anyway, so you can pretty well fudge it, <laughs> you know, sort of Wayan, Yeoman, Kadek, whatever, you see. They're just genuine in their... They're affection in most ways. So, no, look, as a place to live and be surrounded by a beautiful community, Ubud is it because it's a real bar. It's not like you get down on what we call the flats, which is, you know, the Kuta, Seminyak area. Mm-hmm. This is the real bar. You know, I'm looking out my window and we've got bamboo canes that reach up forever, coconut trees that reach up even higher. We look down onto the river. Um, it's just, you know, you don't get that down on the flats. I certainly don't get it back in Perth. You know, it's just such a magic, magic environment to live in. At home, we look out over the rice fields. We get up in the morning. We can see the volcanic mountains in the distance. It doesn't get much better than that. You know, Sounds so. pretty good, Peter. But let me ask you, <laughs> what are the pyramids constructed of? Well, they're a special construction that was designed by a gentleman up in China, an American guy. Mm. It's mainly stainless steel and fiberglass, believe it or not. We needed a product that we could build with that could handle earth tremors, 
maybe earthquakes one day, who knows, we're on the ring of fire, the Pacific Rim is. Mm-hmm. So we needed something that could handle any movement without it falling down or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. It needed to be lightweight enough that it could be packed in a container and sent to us, and equally something that we could have them build again and send to, to Sydney or to Melbourne or to New Zealand or Sedona in Arizona, we've got someone interested. So that's the whole idea that we wanted something that could be almost flat packed like an Ikea box, you know, um, so, something certainly strong as well. So if you wanted to, you could actually deconstruct them and move them somewhere and put them up. If we wanted to, but the amount of uh, the special glue we've used, which right. helps with the bonding process, it would be a nightmare to pull them apart. Not to say we couldn't, it would be a nightmare. And how big are they? Well, they're very big. They're very big. The uh, the largest one is fourteen by fourteen meters. So mm-hmm. that's you know that's one hundred eighty square meters of you know that's bigger than most houses, uh, mm-hmm. small houses in the suburbs these days. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the biggest one. The next one's one hundred and forty four square meters. Uh, plenty of room for people to lay down in. Uh, we have uh, beautiful big mattresses for people to lay on in a circle inside it. And then on the inner part of that, we play these beautiful uh, instruments. Uh, They're all ancient sounds, as we call them. And what happens is from these instruments, which is the gongs, the didgeridoo, and the big North American powwow drum, the sounds bounce off the walls, and you don't hear, you feel. You know, you feel the vibrations, the frequencies. It all comes through your whole body. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so so amazing as an experience because you just don't get that anywhere else. And because and, of the, yeah, yeah, I think you're going to answer my next question. Why the yeah. shape of the pyramid? Yeah. yeah, because the whole idea is when you're playing a gong that's wider than my arm's reach, these sounds vibrate into the room and they bounce off the walls and down onto people. We have what's known as the chakra system, our energy centres through our body from our base, right, um, the top of our legs, right through to the crown and the top of our head. And when these vibrations work up through our body, we have uh, interesting reactions, right? It can be a mental reaction. You know, maybe we've got a, a problem mentally, could be headaches, could be anxiety, could be stress, all of that. It could be emotional. A lot of people suffer a lot of emotional issues these days. They could have a, a blockage from loss of a, a loved one or a nasty divorce or whatever. Or it could be something physical. We've got hundreds of stories of people that have been um, literally healed uh, physically by sound vibration. So that, Look, that's I, I really believe that sound vibration is something that we're, it's like it's the next frontier of, of movement, of healing. <laughs> I think that our science at the moment really doesn't understand how it works, the different density and quality of sound. I read once in the Seth books years ago that there was a civilization that lived on this planet who bred violence out of their physical being. And so they had to move underground because they had no way of defending themselves against the weather, but that they used sound to propel their vehicles and they used sound to paint their art. And sound was like the the energy of their civilization. Do you know what I'm saying? It's They yeah. used it for everything. They used it for cooking. They used it for... So I think that the, you know, where we're going with sound, we're just 
don't even know. We're just at the precipice of what sound can do. And there's so many beautiful sound healers and musicians in the conscious arena and especially here in Sydney as well, all around the world, beautiful kirtan artists that, you know, sing the sacred chants and mantras. Accentuating the positive here on the home of conscious music, Soul Traveller Radio. I'm chatting with Peter McIntosh, who has built a couple of extraordinary sound temple pyramids in Bali. We're learning all about it. Here's more of our conversation. You want to hold these events in the pyramids, sound events and music events? What we'll actually do is we will we'll run it like an attraction. We're working towards the masses, not to the individuals we're really targeting the masses we want lots of people to come here and experience these ancient sounds whether that's the didgeridoo the gong or the drums these are all instruments that were introduced long before we even began recording history they were never introduced for music purposes they were introduced for energy for healing all sorts of reasons other than what we now assume now These sounds evoke very primal reactions within our bodies often when it happens. And that is something that we have witnessed many, many times over. And so by being able to introduce people to sound, I mean, they're using ultrasound now. They're starting to understand what sound can do. You mentioned cooking. Heck, the microwaves have been around for ages. It's all about sound, you know. (laughs) So we emit our own frequencies. Everything emits a frequency. If you can get that frequency combination right, then what happens is it can heal in different ways. And so we don't make any promises. In fact, um, anything but. And, and many people go to, go to sleep because, you know, they just, they just chill out almost instantly because of the, uh, the ambience of the sound that's going on. Now... If someone gets a healing, that's that's a blessing, and you know that's, that they're meant to get it because, and that's probably the reason why they're they're there at the time. But we want to reach a lot of people because it happened with us. We were died in the wool corporate. We were travelling all over the world doing all sorts of stuff. But the first time I heard a gong played, it just resonated within me, and the same for my lovely wife Lynn, just totally resonated. And we started to discover another life. 
and that life was one without all the material trappings and it was something that had far more meaning for us. Incidentally, it didn't affect our material earnings, right? <laughs> anything, it made it better. So, you know, we, we just love the journey we're on now because we meet people like you, Karen. We're meeting so many people coming into the cafe now that are just looking for answers. And so what we're hoping for is when people go into the pyramids and they, they experience the sound, then maybe they will find some answers themselves. Yeah. Okay, so why the shape of the pyramid? You, you're quite versed in the whole pyramid. Yeah. Come on, tell us. What's going on with the pyramid shape? Well, pyramids are fascinating, fascinating buildings. I mean, unfortunately, we really can't believe what the historians would like us to, to believe. They've never found tombs in, in pyramids. Uh, you know, they say that the pyramids in Egypt are 5,000 years old. Well, there's plenty of evidence to state that they could be as old as 20,000 years old. However, because of religion stating that everything happened 5,000 years ago, no one wants to change the story. You know, so it's it's quite interesting that the stuff that's coming out about pyramids now is proven that look, it could be aliens, it could be people living in another dimension that we cannot even see or understand. But somebody created pyramids because they're on every continent on Earth, mm-hmm. under every ocean. They've recently announced that they found three of them in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. We just found one on the next island to us here in Java. Uh, wow. They're everywhere. Now, pyramids give off their own power. They're pretty well all aligned to the compass points, north and south. You know, one of the walls will be exactly facing north, one's south, east, west, whatever. And if they're built to the grand plan, which is the same as the pyramid of the pyramids of Giza or Cheops, mm-hmm. right, which is 51.5 degrees angles, it comes under what's known as sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're built to this formula, then they actually contribute. Um, some interesting things, and one of them is a very strong electromagnetic field within, uh, which can help our bodies immensely in different ways because we lack that in normal things, right? Um, it attracts power from out and brings it into uh, the pyramid. Uh, it draws it up from the ground. Amazing. So it's like a conductor of energy, you think? Well spotted. That's exactly what they were designed for originally, according to many, many people. Many authorities, many people have done years of research. As far as they are concerned, they were conductors of energy. There's some very, very good evidence and research that the biggest pyramid, which is the centre of the earth as far as the ley lines around the globe and all this sort of stuff, is Cheops because so many lines around the earth all cross over at that particular point. Now, there's a very strong theory that that pyramid powered the lighthouse at Alexandria because electricity travels through water. Underneath the pyramids, there's immense aquifers, and somehow or other, whoever built them figured out how to move that power out to the pyramids. So, out to the uh, lighthouse, rather. Mm-hmm. So, they are, they, they could be beacons, they could be who knows what, you know, maybe some starships watch. They were definitely <laughs> built by extraterrestrials, that is for sure, you know, like <laughs> us. Well, either extraterrestrials or 
maybe there is another dimension living on Earth that we cannot see or understand. I, yeah, well, apparently, you know, according to according to my guides, all the dimensions coexist in the one space. It's just that we can't perceive it because we yeah. have these receptors that only perceive third dimension. But you know, here's the thing: meditation, because obviously, in your meditation, you were listening to another dimension because you were listening to someone talking to you from another dimension. Build some pyramids, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so who do you think was telling you to build them? Are you uh, familiar with who you're, who's talking to you in your meditations? No. As far as I'm concerned, it's omniscient God. God. Yeah, yeah, the ultimate power, you know, uh, goes under many, many names. We refer in most cases to the universe because it's kind of a catchword or a password that spiritual people immediately understand where you're coming from. If you say God, they think, oh, I wonder what religion he's with, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say spirit, that can sometimes get confusing as well. So, look, we just believe that there is a greater power out there guiding us. And really interesting, when we started here, Karen, on average of once a month, something would happen and we go, Wow. Well, that's God giving us another signal we're on the right path. Mm-hmm. And then probably about eight, nine months ago, it started happening every week. And it could be someone that we'd meet. It could be something that happened. It could be a new investor that came on board. It could be a new product that came available to us, whatever it was. You know, and we think, wow, you know, we're really getting the message. Now that we're just about open, it's almost daily. It's like you coming into the live field, you know, and talking to me, you know? Well, you're not open yet, so we're in the beginning of September 2016 for people that are watching this later, and you're about to open. When are you going to open? What's the opening? Well, well, we've got the cafe open and running. We've got all the grounds open and uh, for everybody to walk around, and they're beautiful landscape grounds all the way down to the river. Um, Everything's ready to go except the pyramids. We're working flat out on those right now. Hopefully, as long as Mr. Murphy doesn't put his, his action somewhere, um, we'll be ready in about six weeks' time from now. So middle, late uh, October, we should definitely be open. You know, that's so funny because that's exactly when I'm going to be in Indonesia. Oh, well, you've definitely got to come along I'm and going to experience. Because uh, I'm going to yeah. Java to build houses with habitat for some homeless families. And then I thought that I'd pop over, I'd pop over and see the pyramids. So hopefully, I can, the universe <laughs> can time it, so I can be there for yeah. the opening. That'd be great. Well, what we'd love to be able to do is to open for the full moon. But Lynn has threatened me with all sorts of issues if I so much as tell anybody a date, <laughs> because we've tried to nominate dates in the past and it's never happened. So, so what, you know, we just keep handing up and saying, when it's going to open, it's going to open. You know? When it's going to open, yeah, in its own time. I'm right. saying you never know, you might even be here, here for our opening. Who knows? That's right. That's right. So when is the full moon? What is the date of the full moon? I think it's around the 19th, 20th of October, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even game to look it up. That's how, that's how nervous I am about it. See, the, the issue is the reason why we say the full moon is because we need to have the blessing of the local priest, local munku as they call them. 
right? They have to get rid of any evil spirits on the land and any of the buildings and whatever, and that's quite a big event here in um, in Bali. So, you know, we're great believers in doing it according to their culture, working within their culture where we have the opportunity to. And so we've been told by a number of the locals here, well, when you officially open, I mean, we'll probably be open before then just for trials and familiarizations, but officially they usually do these sorts of events on a full moon, right, because that's when the energy is strongest. As we know, Earth's closest to the moon, energies are strongest, and it it works in mysterious ways. So who are we to argue? (laughs) Right, right, okay. Why did you or they or the universe or God or whoever, you know, the aliens who are talking to you, choose Bali? Why Bali? Because Ubud is known and becoming really well known as the spiritual epicenter of Asia. Okay. Right? That's been published in many magazines, articles. It's attracting so many people here. It's a little bit like Sedona in Arizona or Mount Shasta in California, places around Byron. the world. That, and yeah, Byron Bay in Australia. It's, it's why people are attracted because there is a population of people there, like-minded people. There's also the energies that are in, in that location. And we know the energies here. People walk through our door and the first thing they say, wow, there's something special about this place. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the energy. It's the energy. You feel the energy. And it, it's hard to describe that to somebody that's never experienced it because it's, it's, it sounds a little bit ethereal, you know, like, you know, how do you feel energy? Well, some people get goosebumps. Some people just feel warm and fuzzy. Some people just just feel different. You know, amazing. And do you think that there'll be others built around the world as well? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. We already have people looking at what we're doing yeah. that have that want to see what it looks like, what, how it works when it's finished. They've already intimated that, yes, they would be very interested in doing the same in other locations. Yeah. So we'll have a business model, we'll have a, an example, we'll have all sorts of things there to show people this is how it can be done. And, yeah, hopefully we will have lots of them around the world because every city should have one. Every town could have one because for those people that suffer from stress, I tell you now, you go in, you get a session in one of ours, you will come out free of stress and you probably have the best night's sleep you've had for a long, long time. So you'll be doing healing sessions in there as well as gatherings. I'm just trying to – because what I see happening in them is like sound – healing events but also music events you know like kirtan and like we we i was at a kirtan community last night one of our brothers left the planet very recently uh very suddenly who was a part of our kirtan community here he played the hung drum you know the hung drum yeah looks like two walks on top of each other like looks like a spaceship and uh, it was invented by a guy in Switzerland in 2000. And Prabhu, beautiful Prabhu, was a master of the Hongdrang, but he just left his body very recently, very quickly, very suddenly. So we had a beautiful kirtan for him last night. But I Wonderful. see that sort of event happening where people gather, they meditate, they sing sacred chant or they sing beautiful music. Is, is that sort of thing that's going to happen in there? Oh, certainly. Not, not just in the pyramids. We have a beautiful grassed area with a fire pit and nice. all sorts of stuff. We want this place to become a landmark 
for not just existing believers who, who accept that the, the hung drum is, is one of the most beautiful instruments or the gongs or one of the others, but also people that are coming from, from corporate, from tourism, whatever, that are looking for whatever it might be. And they come along and, you know, one of the big things that's happening here in Ubud is what they call the ecstatic dance. Mm-hmm. You know, they all get there. Um, there's now about three locations doing ecstatic dance. No doubt we'll have the same here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the beautiful teak wood floors and we could have 100 people in there doing ecstatic dance, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then there's the other one that's the improv touching. I'm not quite sure exactly how it works, but basically it's improv contact. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so you're always contacting somebody and the, the arms are moving around and you're touching. You know, there's no sexual connotations. It's just the contact of energy between two, three, four, five people. And you see them all moving together and it's just like, wow, that is incredible. You know? So yeah, look, we'll be doing all of those sorts of things here because Ours is the only purpose-built sound healing centre that we know of. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a yoga studio or a hall or something of that nature, right, mm-hmm. which has, hasn't got the qualities of sound, hasn't mm-hmm. got the, uh, the ability to block out other sounds. You know, you go to other sound healing events here and you get a lot of ambient sounds coming in from outside or overhead or next door or wherever. Uh, so you kind of lose the moment a bit, whereas ours will be totally devoted to that purpose. So, mm-hmm. you know, people are in awe of sound healing, and I think they'll be in total awe when they experience ours purely because it's just, it, it'll be dark in there. Not mm. not black, but it'll be dark in there. One of them will, will have the option of shining up an image onto each of the panels, which can be mm. playing in line with music, can be playing in line with whatever the theme is that we're going on with at that particular time. If we have a group that want to focus on something in, in, you know, in specific ways, we can put it up on a screen. Or maybe they'll just use the iPad, they'll put it over their eyes and they'll block everything else out and just relax and enjoy the experience. Who knows? Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we are going to experiment with. So the only light that comes in is just from the top. I think the top of the pyramid is open, yeah, isn't it, or...? There will be some ambient light coming through. They're not a lot. Look, we won't have a pitch black because people get very nervous in pitch black, so there will be some light in there because people will be able to see you know, around vaguely. We've got to be able to see because we actually walk around the audience playing instruments such as the uh, the wind gong. You know, you mentioned the hang drum, also known as the hand pan. We had a beautiful session here last night with a gentleman we hope to have working with us soon. You know, he, he is a master of the hand pan. So we will be playing all these different instruments at different times, you know, in our pyramids, and we need some light to be able to see what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs>
on the hung drum. Isn't it fabulous? You're listening to Karen here on the home of conscious music, Soul Traveller Radio. I'm chatting with Peter McIntosh. Peter and Lynn McIntosh have put together a couple of amazing sound temples that are pyramids in Bali, and we're hearing all about their journey and how it came about. Here's more of our conversation. So let me ask you, Peter, so you're working in the corporate world in marketing, and uh, how old were you when you started to investigate you know, different ways of thinking. What happened to wake you up to a new way of being? What was your journey? Well, quite frankly, it was the death of our neighbour. It was a big influence. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was an 85-year-old guy, as fit as could be. He dug a dam on our property. Unfortunately, he was in an accident. They diagnosed he had prostate cancer. He could have had that for years. Mm. Once he'd been told he had cancer and his wife's a nurse, within six months he'd, he'd passed over, right? Then the neighbour next door to him went. We're on an acreage property. The neighbour next door to him died. Where were you, in Australia or in America? In in the hills outside of Perth. Right. right? Mm -hmm. It's called Rolling Stone. Lovely area. But we kind of saw these people falling off the perch. We thought, I don't want to be the next one (laughs) coming down the hill. (laughs) We've been travelling to America because we kind of – We'd made, you know, a really good income out of the business we are running and some property developments, and so we were travelling to America maybe three months of the year. But at that point, I sort of said to Lynn, I said, I think we need to probably just sell up and go and follow our dream, which was to get a big travel rig. We already had the travel rig, but to get our travel rig in Florida or Idaho, wherever we'd parked it the previous year, and just start travelling and just follow our dreams over there, which we did. And we learned a lot. We understood a lot. We we met a lot of beautiful Indigenous people. We learned a lot about the cultures over there. There was just something that was the start of the journey. It didn't just sort of happen cut and dried. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the universe had a plan for us long beforehand with the experiences that I was going through and Lynn was going through and what we were going to need in order to run the operation we've got here. Exactly. So, yeah. But, you know, I look back now on the corporate life I had. Seriously, Karen, I do not miss it one little bit. I've got one one corporate friend left. He came up here for his 80th birthday the other day with us, and he said, most of your friends think you've gone over to the other side. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's not the dark side, I'm okay. (laughs) So, you know, end of the day, um, we love the life we live. We live very simply now. You know, we have family coming up from Perth to visit us. We had our son here yesterday. So we feel we've got the best of many worlds in what we're doing yeah. because we just want to be able to do things to help people, you know. Well, we're we're not about making Not about making money. It would be interesting to see, you know, if it works because everything has to work financially as well as anything else, really. I mean, it's all very well wanting to heal the world and stuff like that. But we still live in a third-dimensional construct where money is involved. And, you know, I just see so many healers try things and start businesses and fail, you know, start festivals and put on festivals, all with this great intention. But the the financial structure is not there and and, and they fail. And it would be interesting to see how your model works, if it works, you know, sustainably and financially sustainably and maybe you can replicate it and show everybody else how to do it. Maybe you can show me how to do it here in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. 
There'd be lots of beautiful locations you could do it down there. That's one thing that, you know, I've been in business since my teenage years, even though I was working for the airlines when I left school. And you know deep down whether you're on a winner or you're not. You know, I've had um, a number of businesses. I've had a couple that uh, haven't worked, but I've had a lot that have worked. And so uh, my gut feeling, my heart feeling tells me that this is better than any of those. We know we've got the backing of the, the highest possible backer you could ask for mm-hmm. um, because we see evidence of that happening every day, every week, every month. We see the reaction from people that come here. We did the same down in Australia, uh, in Perth and Tassie, with a much smaller version of the pyramids down there. We saw the results from that. So we have an absolute conviction that this will give our investors a, an awesome return. Far better than we even suggested they'll get. And for us, that's great as well for our retirement, again, you know. But uh, darling, you, there's no retiring you guys. I'm sorry. Nah, nah. <laughs> I get, Give up the I got, retirement story. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got to be honest, I got a bit boring in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, life's too much fun to retire. Who wants to retire? What does Esther Hicks say? Happy, healthy, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a way to go. <laughs> and, and, and it's like I mentioned that the old fellow that lived next door to us. He was an earth-moving contractor. His happiest days were sitting on his big old bulldozer pushing dirt around. <laughs> you know, and at 85, he's pushing dirt around. I would love to be as, as as fit as he was when I'm 85. So, <laughs> in the meantime, you know, we're just we're just getting out. I mean, I'm dressed in a singlet in a type bin, thing now because a, a bintang singlet, a typical bus. No, no, I refuse to wear those. Things, <laughs> I've got to be honest. But you know, up here it's nice and cool. I'm going to go out and help the boys on the pyramids after this conversation, and uh, you know, you dress accordingly. So, um, I am what I am. So, and I think that's part of what's what's been a success for Lynn and I is that people accept that we're not, you know, gurus. We're not trying to portray that we, we've got some wonderful vision that is going to do this and that for everybody. We just state what we've been told. We just state what we believe. Our experience in business and uh, marketing and such tells us this is going to work. Lynn's experience in management tells her it's going to work. So at the end of the day, we, we just have this absolute belief that we're on the final act um, and that it's all going to happen. And when it when it really takes off, it's just we're going to hang on, hang on and ride the horse, you know? Yeah, you know, what, I, what I'm seeing is your vision. Like you said at the beginning of this, you know, and this is for the masses. So because they're pyramids, they become somewhat of a tourist attraction. So when tourists go to Bali, because Bali is this tourist attraction, sure. there's so many tourists, you know, they go to visit the pyramids as a day out, but then you feed them this enlightenment, I suppose, or you feed them this new vibration or, you know, you experience, feed them, yeah. Yeah, an experience that, yeah, might, might rock, you know, rock their socks, might... Uh, mm. Yeah, it might shift their perception from from me to we. You know, mm. that's where we're going. So yeah, so it's 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 good. And, look, and that, that's 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 all we can do. We we really liken it to the pebble in the pond. Yeah. You know, 
you know, the ripples will spread out. How many people act on their experience and go further and maybe seek more similar experiences or one-on-ones or come back for more or participate in some of the other activities that we will be offering here because we've had so many different forms of healers and therapists that have approached us and said, can we work with you at the Pyramids of Chi? And we said, yep, but let's get this on the road first and then we look at what facilities we've got available. So whether people go down that track and pursue it further or whether they just go and tell all their friends, you know, I went to a couple of pyramids and I felt totally blissed out. You should go next time you're in Bali. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, we've done our bit. The rest of it's in God's hands. If they, if God wants them to happen, to have something out of it, well, then up to you, God. You have done your bit. You've, you, you have. It's been, what, about four years in the making? Uh, three. Three years. So let me ask you, just before we finish, so you got the download to build them from your source, from your yeah. guides, from the universe, for a better word. Yeah. Have you been getting more downloads from the universe, you know, along the way? <laughs> Yeah, have you got another hour? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we get them all the time. Lynn and I make a point of meditating pretty regularly and um, you're going to laugh at what I'm going to tell you in a minute, but, you know, most people meditate with their legs crossed or feet flat on the floor and holding the, the position like that or whatever. We've got a lovely massage table at home. I climb on the massage table, put my head in the circle, wrap myself in the white light and say, okay, bring it on. And that to me has been my download base, you know, and and it just comes through. And I'll come to work jumping out of my skin, ready to put something on the computer, write something down, talk to our staff about things we need doing, sharing my ideas with Lynn. She's more conventional. Uh, in her uh, meditation but at the end of the day we both get messages and when we get them we just love it because Mm. it just shows us that yep we're on the right path it's not ego it's not some misguided belief it's just get on with it Peter and then do it because you know we're giving you that message and you know stop stuffing around today you know you've got to get on with this or that or whatever so we do we do we get exhausted sometimes because we're often putting in 12-hour days. Yeah, look, it's a journey. Part of building a new, yeah, yeah. Part, of the, part of the project. We, we accept that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's amazing that you don't fall asleep on that massage table because, <laughs> you know, they often say don't lie down when you meditate because you'll just fall asleep, but you're obviously an expert at it. Look, I wouldn't hey, say that, no. Peter. <laughs> Peter, it's been so lovely to talk with you today. Thanks for sharing your story. And I can't wait to go over there and have a look at the pyramids and, you know, bask in the energy. Sounds amazing. Wonderful. Thanks very much for having me on your show, Karen. I wish you all the success with that. And let's let's see you when you come up here and we'll give you a good session that you will never forget. (laughs) Beautiful. 
Thanks so much for joining me for another show accentuating the positive here on the home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support Conscious Music, Consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, karenswain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.